Back in the 2017 Congress, in the National Defense Authorization Act, lawmakers ordered the Defense Department to restructure its medical treatment facilities, the MTFs. It was in part to control costs and in part to support readiness. Now, a mandated Government Accountability Office review finds DOD relied on incomplete data for a lot of that work. Here with highlights, the GAO's Director of Defense Capabilities and Management Issues, Brenda Farrell. Brenda, good to have you back. Thank you for having me. This is a complicated thing they were tasked with doing, but give us the big picture of what DOD is actually trying to do here in rescaling or reorganizing this whole TMF operation. Sure. This is a complex issue, as you said, and DOD has been continuously challenged about how do they balance the military readiness mission with the mission to deliver high-quality medical care to the beneficiaries. And the massive reform efforts for the military health system actually began over a decade ago. This is one of several reforms that's underway. When the reforms began this last time, the focus was on cost efficiencies. But in the past few years, the focus has shifted to the priority of uh, military medical readiness. So Congress mandated, knowing how complex and how much care should be taken with this restructuring, Congress mandated DOD to provide the plan that you mentioned, and then for DOD to provide it to us, we would review it before any action was taken by DOD or Congress, and then they would move forward. It affects millions of people. It affects the mission. It has an outreach that's hard really to to understand and and grasp. Yeah. So is part of this then taking a portion of care that may not be related to readiness, routine care, and trying to shift it to providers outside of the military system itself? Exactly. That's part of it. The mandate to DOD established some statutory elements, and we found that DOD did use and prioritize those statutory elements. The first being to determine the support each MTF provides to service members' medical readiness and the readiness of the medical providers, then to determine the adequacy of the civilian health care facilities and providers to support the health care needs of service members and other beneficiaries through purchase care, purchase care being outside of the MTF. And then the last criterion that Congress wanted to see was the cost effectiveness of direct care services at the MTF relative to purchase care in the area. The bottom line, it may help the listeners to understand the bottom line of the plan was that DOD reviewed 77 MTFs in the United States. The plan included decreasing capabilities at 43, shifting that care out to purchase care, and then closing five of uh, those MTFs. So it's quite complex, as we've said. And I guess my overall sense in looking and skimming at this report is that DOD made those decisions with not enough of the proper information it should have had going into the variables. Yes, they did a very thorough job documenting their methodology that guided the approach and incorporating the cross-cutting statutory elements. But we found that often they used incomplete or inaccurate information, sometimes both, or there were gaps. Especially of concern is the first criterion on military medical readiness, because as a first step, this being the highest priority, 
DOD decided on a strategy that they believe would prioritize each MTF support to service members' medical readiness and the readiness of the medical providers. DOD determined that MTFs should maintain certain minimum capabilities for service members, including primary care, and on a case-by-case basis, some specialties such as behavioral health, physical therapy. Sometimes if there's a training component on an installation, it might be urgent or emergency care. And then DOD also evaluated each MTS contribution toward clinical readiness of the providers. They looked at workload or graduate medical uh, education. But we found that DOD conducted limited MTS readiness support for military primary care and non-physician medical providers. And who am I talking about? Their focus was more on casualty combat providers, the physicians, rather than the other physicians needed for uh, primary care or nurses, enlisted medical, and uh, surgical specialties. So they only looked at a small portion of the medical workforce that is needed for all uh, military medical readiness. And you're probably going to ask, well, why did they do that? They, they did that because they didn't have metrics for all the categories. They had the metrics for the combat casualty care providers, but they didn't have the metrics for those other categories. They did look at productivity goals for primary physicians, but productivity goals aren't the same as metrics because they don't identify the type of service needed at those MTFs. Sure. So for their... For the highest priority, there's still a huge gap in terms of the uh, medical workforce that would be needed to help ensure the military medical readiness of the service members and the providers. We're speaking with Brenda Farrell, Director of Defense Capabilities and Management Issues at the Government Accountability Office. Now, you said that GAO had to pass muster on the plans before they proceeded. Did I hear that correctly? And so what is the status of the reorganization and the restructuring at this point? Well, we offered our findings and recommendations to Congress. Now it's up to Congress if they want to take some kind of action for DOD. And as you know, the Senate Armed Services Committee is getting ready to go to mark, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what they may reflect in their version of the NDAA. They could do nothing. They could take a wait-and-see attitude. We don't know. DOD has put a pause on this particular reform along with some of their other reforms because of what's been going on with COVID-19. But the pause ends at the end of June. So we'll have to see if they continue to put a pause or if they move forward with the restructuring or if Congress takes some action, perhaps based on GAO's findings and recommendations. Yeah. So to summarize the findings and recommendations, basically they need to do more research and they need to refine their information on which they're basing decisions about the MTFs. And do they generally concur with what you have recommended? Yes, they did. And we had other recommendations that dealt with the adequacy of nearby health care, where the second criterion was to determine if the MDF for restructuring had adequate civilian health care facilities and providers in proximity. And we actually had three areas where we found some incomplete and inaccurate information, one dealing with the quality of civilian providers with missing information. The second was the number of available civilian providers was questionable. We thought it might be understated. And then the third one dealt with the 
standardized time that DOD set for a patient to drive to their provider. There were six. DOD concurred with two of those pretty uh, well. The others, they partially concurred. So those are the ones we want to watch very carefully because we believe that all of the recommendations need to be fully implemented. It strikes me that what they're doing is somewhat, not totally, but somewhat analogous to what the VA has been trying to do in increasing the CHOICE program. Is there anything that DOD can learn from what VA has gone through or maybe vice versa? We didn't compare the restructuring to VA. We did when we would find missing information, we would see if that information was even available. So we we don't want to recommend, for example, that they assess the quality of civilian providers if that information's not there. But there is information on quality of providers. The, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, along with some private insurers, developed uh, metrics for quality of specialty care. And that's something that is available. We cite it in the report. And there are other sources as well. So we believe that there's, for each of the findings that we raise about problems, we do have examples of where that information might exist or how it could be improved without taking, you know, another 10 years. So the day of real reckoning is yet to come, isn't it? Yes, it is. They have until October 1st, 2025 to complete the restructuring. So we believe that they do have some time to go in and fine-tune some of these areas that we believe are missing information or not quite accurate. Brenda Farrell is Director of Defense Capabilities and Management Issues at the GAO. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. We'll post this interview along with a link to her report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.